good morning. Hey, so something that we frequently talk about here is, is that, that Hope, our church, is a grace-based family where anyone can find and follow Jesus. And another component of being family is that we don't want to look just like one particular group, um, not racially and uh, not even life stage-wise, because in a, in a family, you have grandparents, you've got parents, and you've got... Um, You've got uh, teenagers, you've got kids, you have everybody in between, you have married folks and single folks, uh, multi-generations, and that's the kind of family that we want to represent here. And this morning, we get to hear from one of the daughters of Hope, Aaron Amos Mackey. Um, and I think it's just a beautiful thing that God brings people into this family. It's, it's really an honor and watches, uh, helps, helps us walk with them as they grow up in Christ. Now, um, God, and if you ever get to hear the story, it's amazing, but God drew Aaron to the Hope family uh, almost five years ago. It was the same first Sunday that we had, so almost five years ago. Uh, and, and this last five years, um, Heidi and I, and Will and Christy and a whole bunch of us have had just this, this front row seat to watch what God has been doing and is doing in Aaron's life. And, and she'd be the first to tell you it's not always been a smooth ride, right? <laughs> and you're going to hear some of that today. But, but Jesus uh, is with her. And what we get to see God doing in her life is, is just really amazing. Uh, Aaron works part-time uh, on the staff here at Hope with our, with our youth ministry, and she is currently attending seminary at Grand Canyon University. Um, are you feeling nervous, second service? Not so much? First service, yeah. Well, let's all give a warm, hearty, encouraging welcome to our sister, Erin, as she comes this morning. All right. Thank you so much, Doug. Hello, Hope family. Feeling much better this service because Facebook's not on. So, <laughs> like, raises my anxiety being on film. All right, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Erin Amos Mackey. And a little bit about myself. I'm a single mother to three great kids who are on the screen. That's Corwin, Journey, and Connor. And Journey is the one in the front. Corwin's the one in the middle. They're my two oldest, and they have the same father. And then Connor, my youngest, he has a different father. And I've been coming to Hope here, like Doug said, for about five years now. And shortly after arriving, I rededicated my life to Christ. And now here I am, standing in front of you today to share a special message that the Lord has placed on my heart. And I think it's just such an honor and a privilege to be able to stand before you today and have the opportunity to speak a word that God has helped me prepare. And since this is such a sacred space to step into and one that I don't take lightly, first, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are so, so good. Thank you so much for your presence in our lives. Thank you for bringing us here today. And Lord, I ask that you would cover us with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Soften our hearts and minds as we hear what you have for us today. And Lord, I pray that the words of my heart 
words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart are pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we have been in a series on faith and doubt for a little while now. We've heard about what happens when we don't voice our doubts or when some pretend that they don't even have doubts. The result is that they can end up losing what little faith they already have and we can see professed Christians turn into atheists. And we've also heard how doubts can actually lead us into a closer relationship with God when we admit that we have them, willingly turn to God, and search his word to find out what God's truth says. But we haven't heard about the toll that doubt can take on our life. We've learned that it's not wrong to doubt. Doubt can lead to good things happening. But doubt also has a tendency to wreak havoc in our lives. What could be guiding us to God may end up taking us off the rails altogether. And sometimes it feels like it's never going to end. You see, doubt has the ability to infiltrate our lives and throw us for loops in ways where we can lose sight of where God is leading us and end up turning to other things other than God. And I've been in a season with an underlying current of doubt um, for a while. And just this past Wednesday, I was playing volleyball with my singles group, and a complete stranger had more faith in me serving the ball over a net than I had in, in if God was still willing to work through me to write this message. You see, my season of doubt began July 19th, 2021. My kids were just finishing up their three-week visit at their dad's, and it was the day they were scheduled to arrive home. I was excited and apprehensive at the same time, and that's the way I always get every time they go to visit their dad's house. Um, he lives in, lived in California at the time. I always had this underlying fear in the back of my mind that one day they wouldn't come home. And it was on this 19th day of July in 2021 where that fear became a reality. He didn't send my babies home. When I called to find out what was going on, he told me that he had filed an emergency hearing with the court, claiming that I was an unsafe person and he wasn't going to send my children home to me. It came out of nowhere, blindsiding me. I was beyond distraught. I was in absolute anguish. My worst fear had come true. I couldn't think and I could barely function. Confusion and hurt were coursing through my mind and my body. It was a Sunday, and I was at church when I found this out. Thankfully, some wonderful people came and surrounded me and helped me figure out my first steps. So I started going through the motions to find out what I needed to do to get my babies back. I called the Chandler Police Department, and they informed me I had to call Sacramento's Police Department. So then I called the Sacramento Police Department, and I found out that I needed a copy of our court-ordered visitation agreement and either go to California or have a representative there who could interact with the police on my behalf. I didn't have anyone in California that I wanted to put in the middle of this mess. But then on top of that, I couldn't even find my court papers. So my next logical step was to try to get a hold of my lawyer to get a copy. But like I said, it was Sunday. I didn't have much hope that I would be able to get a hold of him, but I called my lawyer anyway, and I left a message. 
Not exactly sure what happened as I waited for my lawyer. Perhaps I was packing, looking up plane rides. It was an anxiety-riddled blur. But miraculously, I received a call from him not long after I had left that message, maybe like an hour. So I told him what I needed, but he informed me that after about three to four years, his cases are normally put into like a back storage file system that wasn't like really easily accessible. But he said that he would take a look with what he had. I didn't feel very hopeful as I waited for him to look for my paperwork. It was like I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was just waiting to hear that I was out of luck. Essentially, I was waiting for the moment where God wasn't gonna come through and to confirm what I was already feeling, that he wasn't there for me. But my lawyer was able to find my file on the accessible system. He emailed me the court document, and I got on the first plane available. But that happened to be a, have a terribly long way over. I flew out of Sky Harbor at 1 p.m. and arrived in Sacramento at 8 p.m. I picked up my rental car and called the sheriff's, Sacramento Sheriff's Department as I drove straight to where my children were staying. I parked on the street, and I waited and I waited, and I waited. I called the sheriff's department again and found out that they were really busy with emergency calls. And so as I continued to wait some more, I decided I would call the, my children's father and try to reason with him to let my children go. But. It was no avail, and it really only served to accost me with his toxic words. Now, by this time, it was well after midnight, so I decided I would get a hotel room and try again in the morning since it was so late and the cops were just so busy. I checked into my hotel room, and I went up to the room, and there I was, all alone, waiting. These residual feelings started to resurface from when I was actively in the relationship with my kid's father. In that hotel room that morning of July 20th, 21, I was emotionally transported back in time, back to the nights where this man would drop me off at that night's motel room where we were living at the time and leave me there. I would be stuck in a room with no transportation, all alone already alienated from my friends and family, helplessly waiting for him to come back. The same man who was now in the present keeping my children from me. I knew it wasn't the same situation. I wasn't in that relationship with him anymore, and I had my own vehicle. But it all came rushing back, that feeling of absolute helplessness, calling out to God but not hearing a reply, and that's when this one particular lie finally fully broke free from wherever it had been hiding for the last 15 years. You see, during my relationship with this man, I got this idea that God loved him, but he didn't love me. Now, this man never said that God didn't love me outright, but anytime anything good would happen, even if I had a hand in helping make it happen, 
he would say that whatever happened, happened because God loved him, because God blessed him, etc., etc. And in my head and my heart, I would wonder, why doesn't God bless me? What's so wrong with me? Why doesn't God love me? And that doubt, if God really loved me, stayed with me for 14 to 15 years, boiling in the background until that night in that hotel room as I was waiting for the morning to come so I could try and get my children back. Ripped through the fabric of my soul and threw me off the firm foundation that God and I had built together these last five years. I didn't get much sleep that night. A war was raging inside my mind. I tossed and turned all night. I was trying to keep accusations at bay. I was trying to remind myself that my decision to wait till morning was okay. I even got a confirmation that I made the right choice when I once again called the sheriff's department one more time. It was a night of hell. Trying to reassure myself that no matter what happens, God does love me. I remember crying out to God for help, wondering where he was, but hearing nothing in return. The voice of doubt was just much too loud. Morning came slowly. At 5 a.m., I headed back to the house. I called the police and let them know I was there, and again, I waited. Two hours later, the cops showed up around 7. I showed them my paperwork, and they let me know that if he had any paperwork regarding this ex parte emergency hearing, that there would be nothing they could do. I understood. I may have came all this way for nothing. Another hour of waiting as the cops spoke with my ex. He didn't have any paperwork. Nothing. I was shocked. The tension headache that I had since like 3 o'clock in that morning, it immediately went away. I continued to wait as my children packed their things. And then we got in the rental car and we headed to the airport and I was able to bring them home. I had my children back. But I still felt unsettled. It wasn't just this huge relief that just let go. There was something still going on. There was a court case coming ahead. And that doubt that broke through was more prominent than before. And uh, the doubt that was unearthed that day, it's continued to plague me and disrupt my life up until this day. It's been 10 months since that event, and uh, gradually I've been increasingly struggling in this season of doubt. It hasn't always been prominent. There has been a lot of good that has happened in these past 10 months in spite of it, but it's been there. And especially within these last couple of months, it has become so overwhelming, and I would wonder why I couldn't just shake it off already. I've given it doubt to God so many times. Um, So then I would just zone out on Netflix and eat some food. I was so frustrated. In fact, it wasn't even until this week that I was able to name exactly what doubt has been 
plaguing me for 10 months. The thought that God doesn't really love me as much as he loves someone else. And you know, I'm not the only one who has experienced life-shaking, shattering doubt. And we all will wrestle with doubt at multiple points in our life. Perhaps you're in a season of doubt right now, and it feels like it's never going to end. Or maybe you're stuck in a season of uncertainty where you don't know where the next step is, and there's this doubt that's constantly gnawing at you. Will it happen? What if it doesn't? Is God going to come through? What if he doesn't? These and other questions may be racing through your head at different times. Or maybe it's just this subconscious feeling that you ha- and you have this constant unease, but you're not sure where it's coming from or how to get it to go away. I'd like to give you 10 surefire ways to force the season of doubt to come to an end, but I can't. It doesn't work like that. But what I can do is share with you the hope that I have clung to these past 10 months that has carried me to today. God is working even when we can't see the results. I can faithfully say that I wouldn't be standing here in front of you today if God wasn't continuously working in my heart, in my mind, and in my life throughout this season of doubt. And one thing I know for certain, especially when we are deep in a season of continuous doubt, we need to be constantly reminded of the God we have faith in. See, our faith is in the God who told Moses to declare to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God had Moses speak this to the Israelites right before they are about to head into the promised land after spending 40 long years in the desert. Moses, their intrepid leader for the last 40 years, was not going with them. Joshua, Moses' right-hand man, was going to take over, and he was charged to lead the Israelites into battle after battle to take control of the land that God had promised their ancestors. They would experience discouragement and doubt as they came against people who were bigger and stronger than them. But God wanted the Israelites to know that they were not going into these hard battles alone. And just like the Israelites, God wants you to know that he is with you. He declares to you, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And then through the prophet Jeremiah, to encourage the Israelites who were in exile, kicked out of the promised land years later, God spoke to them again. He told them, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil, to give a hope and a future. The Israelites were in a long season of doubt, exiled from all they ever knew. But God wanted to remind them that that, the hard seasons they were in, weren't his plans for them. His plans for the Israelites were good. And his plans for you are good. 
even when you're going through a really rough season of doubt and suffering, that's not his plan for you. The hard seasons are not the end. He has something so much better in mind. Yes, he will use these seasons to grow you, but ultimately, his plans for you are good. So if it's not good, it's definitely not the end. And we also need to be reminded, we don't worship a God who doesn't know what we're going through. Jesus knows what suffering is. He's even gone through a season of doubt. You see, the night Jesus was betrayed, in his humanity, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, begging God to find a different way. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. In Luke 22:44, we read that he was in such distress that his sweat came out as blood. Though Jesus' season of doubt was not long-lasting, it was intense. And then after that, Jesus experienced even more intense suffering when he took all of our sin and shame and bore it on the cross when he suffered and died for us. Our God knows exactly what we're going through, and he will not leave us. After rising from the dead, but before ascending into heaven, we read in Matthew 28, 20, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And this promise is still true for us today. But most importantly, we need to be reminded that not only is God with us and knows what we're going through, but he can do something about it. You see, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins. We were dead in our transgressions, but now because of Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, we've been reconciled to the Father. We have complete access. And all those who believe in the name of Jesus has been given the Holy Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And the Holy Spirit, he helps us. In our weakness, he intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray. He guides us and he teaches us. He is always with us. So folks, when we are in a season of doubt, whether it's short or long, we need to be reminded that God is with us and he can do something about what we're going through. We also need to turn to God and spend time to him, with him. Reading our Bibles, praying, especially when we don't feel like doing it. And we need to make sure that we have people surrounding us who will be there for us, speak truth into our lives, and keep pointing us back to God. As I look back, on my situation, I can see God moving throughout it. He's gently guiding me and nudging me back to him, even on my worst days. But if I didn't start with a firm foundation and trust that God is good and that he never leaves me, or if I didn't have godly people by my side who I could turn to and who would speak God's word to me and remind me of who I am and how they see God working in my life, I don't think I'd be standing in front of you now. So friends, if you're smack dab in a season of doubt, 
that seems like it's never ending. I want to remind you that you're not going through it alone. Our God is a God who sees you and knows exactly what you're going through. The God who created the entire universe is with you. And he will guide you through to the other side of whatever doubt you're going through. So don't give up and don't give in. Keep turning towards him. Because God is faithful and he can and will do something about whatever you're going through. So as the band comes up, if there is anyone here today that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, or has maybe walked away from him at some point and wants to come back, I want you to know it's never too late to start, and you're never too far gone to come back to God. And I want to invite you to take that first step towards God. You don't take that step alone. God is calling you to him, and he is standing there with open arms ready to receive you. He wants to do this life with you. He wants to comfort you and carry you through the hard seasons that he knows are coming. And so, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can't live this life without you. We need you. Lord, would you keep reminding us of who you are and who we are in you? Would you open our eyes to see you, see where you've been working and are still working in our lives today? Would you keep calling us, nudging us closer and closer? And Lord, help us turn to you to turn to you even when we just feel like vegging out on Netflix. And I pray this in the holy, mighty name 